Welcome to this week's episode of Making Good, a podcast about the people, products, ideas and initiatives doing the work the world needs now. My name is Lee Evans. This week's guest was Victoria Lee, Lead Advisor on Master Planning and Infrastructure at the Design Council. Victoria has more than 12 years of experience in built environment and has supported over 300 development projects, both in the UK and internationally. We spoke about her work on and interest in delivering resilient and inclusive cities, and especially about the role of mega projects such as the Olympic Games in scaling the impact of good design. Her early work on bioremediation and why we need to talk about soil more, including the children's book series she's writing on that subject. Publicly operated private spaces and the politics of design, including how language takes on material form in our built environment, and how useful the word sustainability is for defining the radical steps we need to take to combat climate change. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes and sharing on your social media platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter at MakingGoodPod. So, Victoria, thanks ever so much for joining us on the um, on the Making Good podcast. Perhaps we could begin by um, by asking you to um, to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Hi, Lee. Thanks so much for the opportunity to um, speak to you today. So, my name is Victoria Lee. Um, I'm a lead designer, lead uh, advisor at Design Council in the Architecture and Built Environment Department. Um, within this role, I manage major um, clients, uh, mainly infrastructure, um, and help to support good designs through the design of um Transport infrastructure, master plans, negotiations between key players such as property developers, architects, local authorities, uh, generally speaking, and and um, at some points also tapping into central government um, and in terms of policy making um, and in terms of uh, setting good practice in general. Thanks. I'm I'm really excited to um, to hear to hear more about um, more about this and and, and dive into um, some of the specifics of of what you've been involved in. I wonder if we could um, start off for um, for maybe for the lay layperson to to just spend a second digging um, digging into what um, what it means in 2019 20, as we move into 2020. What does it mean to say something's um, an example of good design um, in this context? That I think good design is is a really really important topic. It's it's quite tricky, um, and uh, but it's something that um, that comes up in day to day discussions at a design council within my role, um, and 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 it's for me it's it's a really important question to to talk about now. Um, I think that good design is. Um, it's multifaceted. Uh, it, it for me, it there's a bit of subjectivity within it, um, but equally there's also objectivity within it as well. Um, I think that that good design overall has uh, has a meaningful story behind it. Um, it it's for people. Uh, the important thing as well is that it's context specific, i.e. that just means that it's designed for its use, for its place, for the issue, for the for the challenge that it's trying to overcome. So, uh, so it focuses on people, um, but it also focuses on place or, or, or issues, um, or, or a particular, um, product, um, that, that needs to be created out of, out of that. Um, so yeah, I would say that those kind of three key areas are, are really important for good design. Thanks. So, um, is is buried in there something uh, uh, the notion of place making? It's a it's a it's a word a phrase that I've that I'm seeing more and more around, and I'm and I'm not sure that I'm entirely clear what it in, encompasses. Which, if if that's the case, which, can you elaborate a little bit upon that? Uh, 
Yeah, sure. Um, good design and placemaking are, I guess, they hold hands. Um, but I, I would still say that they are quite distinct things. So placemaking um, is a human-generated uh, process to to activate spaces, whereas good design is something that I think um, could be a bit more universal in in, in its principles and in, in its in 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 its application as a term. Um, but placemaking is something that, it, it, in a way, it's a bit like a catchphrase now in in terms of urban design and getting people involved, um, and uh, in terms of policymaking as well. So. Placemaking is important, as is good design, but I would say that they are not exactly the, the the same elements. One is more of a principle, and one is, for me, more of a process. Can we? Um, can, is it possible to talk? I, I appreciate we're uh, we're dealing in, um, in abstract terms um, mm, to some mm-hmm. extent at, um, at sure. this stage. Is it? Um, I, I'm, I come from an environmental background. Is is the is the way in which? Um, um, Urban design, spatial spatial design, um, um, is contributes to um, to the improvement of the environment, to you know, to um, to to, um, to to environmentally benign social practices in an area. Is that is that a thing which has risen up the agenda recently mm. in, in your work? Oh yes, definitely. I would say that um, uh, in terms of policies um, and, and the actual des- urban design practice, architectural practice, the environment has gone right up right up the ladder as it should as it as it should have done. Um, and I think that that is very, very important. Um, in terms of in terms of uh, projects that that I've engaged with seen over the past uh, few decades, that that kind of focus on the urban environment could be much stronger. Um, I think that uh, there, there's definitely a big kind of need for a policy push, really, um, to to really promote uh, green spaces, planting, um, and and kind of general engagement with with the outdoors because there's such a big push for for density, for more housing, for more transport for more hard spaces in terms of management and, and the kind of um, ease of management that hard spaces creates, um, maybe there needs to be some letting up of, 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 of those kind of parameters to allow more green spaces um, to, to occur. So, so for me, good design, yes, is, uh, in terms of urban, urban spaces, is definitely about the environment. It's definitely about open spaces, um, which actually then contribute to, to health and well-being. So the, in a way, good design, it's, it's all interrelated. It's holistic. And, and I think that um, everyone that is involved in placemaking and urban design and architectural design must understand that holistic approach to um to creating spaces in which people live yeah so like joined up um joined up frameworks linking up stakeholders for and, and, and improving outcomes which which deliver for all of them is that this is this is the role of role of government is am i right in saying that the yes. government's tried to stake out this ground with the uh, with the national design guide is this a framework which is trying to work towards this and if so can you tell us um, a little bit about its background some of the stakeholders and um and you know what the takeaways are is it, is it having a positive effect Okay, so um, some of those questions I could answer, and some uh, maybe one or two I can't necessarily. Um, in the sense <laughs> that it, it's a really recent document, as far as I understand, it uh, it was only launched formally in in um, October of this year. 
Um, but it, it's special in the sense that it really tries to put design at the forefront of um, policymakers' minds, of developers' minds, of architects' minds, um, and people's minds as well. So, so from that perspective, um, personally, you know, I, I think that that is super, super special, important, and and really, really needed at at this stage where you know when density and when housing is is um, is being pushed um, uh, for 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 everyone. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of what I would say in that regard. When we talk about, um, a joined up framework, is this, um, to what extent do we still need to think about, um, sensitivity to, um, to different areas? My sense is I work in and around London primarily, although it takes me to Scotland, Cornwall, Wales, or, you know, the the North of England at, at times. And I get, I get the sense, although not in a way that I'd feel confident to um to articulate particularly um you know precisely that there's a that there's a bit of a difference between between what's happening in um in london and um and and other areas i know from um from your your current work is it's 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 primarily outside london is that correct and is there a is it would you would you agree that there's a sense in which um in which london is developing differently in a dis- from a design perspective than than other parts of the country I would say that London is London is very special in its parameters. Um, it is it's a main hub. It, it's international. It has you know it's its own economic driver. Um, it has uh, a really dense population. Um, it, it's a major commuter hub. Um, so it's really distinct in in it in its character. Um, I, I do work outside of London. I, I work specifically in Oxford, um, and with um, with the kind of infrastructure clients that I'm working with now, um, they are national. So um, you know, in in many other parts of the of the country, including Scotland, um, and and therefore that question about design and good design quality and and what does that mean? Not just in London, you know, right across the piece, you know, as as a universal principle, what does that mean? I think it, I think it's tricky because for me, I think that, and this is personally, um, I think that um, good design is really about um, the process through which different people uh, negotiate around the table about about that process. It might just be about um, procurement of architects. It may be about the selection of sites. Um, it may be about policies that um, that apply to different parties. Um, so right across different areas of, of England, um, those negotiations um, that, you know, for me, that is where the, the special qualities of good design will come out through those ne- negotiations. And I know that those negotiations happen in every, you know, in every part of, uh, of the country, um, about very similar issues. And I'm thinking specifically about, about housing and uh, about tall buildings, about density, about infrastructure. So, um, so in that respect, London is quite, quite different in a sense, but there are some similarities in some places such as Oxford where land values are very high um, and where transportation is becoming much more of an issue um, in terms of uh, connecting, you know, wider parts of Oxford um, as as that uh, conurbation area begins to grow with the with the Oxford Cambridge arc and trying to to and you know the the, the local authorities and um, 
developers really looking at innovation districts um, in that area and, and how could those new areas um, potentially um, in greenbelt spaces or, or less developed places, how could they be um, commutable and, and how could people get to these places by public transport? Yeah, on that, I remember seeing some fascinating data about um, Brighton, where I'm based, but the, um, there were um, uh, graphical representations of, um, of journeys taken in and out of the city for work and um, for work and for work and leisure. And it's um, perhaps unsurprisingly, there are like there's some really clogged arterial areas, which um, which which um, which part of the spatial plan for the city is trying to massage and manipulate and encourage, if only for um, <clears throat> you know, if only for, um, for 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 managing peak time time travel to um to manage manage that if it, these cities then that you um that these um uh, conurbations that you're that you're talking about that as, as as the population grows it sounds like the the logistics of moving people around is is a key part of the issue not simply not as as we well know that it is in in london not 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 simply a question of um are these places comfortable inspiring um you know um well-being promoting places Mm. Yeah, I, I would say it's 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 one of the UK's um uh key points of of query, you know, at at this stage where, you know, as the population grows, where where do we place people? Um do we densify? Do do we spread people out? Um I, I wouldn't say that there's a golden rule. I, I think everything, all of these kind of urban development questions are really, really context specific. Um, and it, it really go, uh, gets into deep discussions about the ambitions, um, set by the local authority. Um, you know, how house builders, for example, how do they see a place being developed? Um, and, and, and what, what is their vision for, um, for their organization? in terms of how their architecture and how their landscape design is realized in a particular place. Um, so, so it's really not just about the place. It's also about how, you know, how the developer, um, what type of stamp does that developer put on, on that particular place? Um, one, one example is, um, Barton Park, which is, uh, which is a healthy new town, which is in, which is in Oxford. And, um, you know, um, I, I have been involved, um, in, in that project. And there was a big focus right from the outset, which is, you know, just bringing in, um, water, um, into the site through lakes, um, green spaces, green fingers in, into the site as well, more trees, um, and open play spaces and so on. And, and putting that out there, um, really initially at the start of the project to really kickstart, um, the identity of that project and the identity of that place in Oxford. So I think that that, that's a good example of, of how, um, developers, local authorities could work together to, to really put a stamp on, on a development project and, and to really get the um local people you know kind of excited uh, about about a new part of 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 a town or or of an area and do you get the sense that the um when these um when these schemes when these plans are being negotiated being developed uh, are there are there particular areas or areas cities or, or bodies of expertise that are um that are regularly looked to now as as examples of of 
best practice of uh, of 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 of, um, of winning formulas that can be that can be an, uh, applied and adapted. I know in my in my field of green infrastructure, for example, there are certain beacon cities. London's now becoming one of them. In the past, historically, it was um, somewhere like Copenhagen or, or Stockholm, mm-hmm. Malmo, um, Portland mm-hmm. in in Oregon, and so forth. Is, is, is that um, is there is there a are there big? What, what's the uh, what's the kind of the ecology of, of knowledge and best practice in your in, in this mm. field that you're working in? Um, well, I think the the beacons could be considered maybe f- through through a kind of opposite lens, which uh, which uh, which could be you know what what are the key challenges that we're facing today? Um, I would say that um, within the UK. Uh, flooding. Flooding is is potentially a, a major issue. We've seen flooding uh, be an issue. Um, it, it, it is current right now, you know, in Yorkshire, thinking about flooding and the impact that it's having on local people. Um, in urban development, I would say that flooding, flooding is, is, is a kind of such a major aspect of design that we need to think about much more because the, the the buildings and the spaces that we design now are really going to be built out in the pa- in the next five ten years. So and those flooding issues are only going to become more difficult. Um, there, there there are many other aspects. I mean, um, in, you know, London is such a, a, a historic city, and and other places such as Oxford, for example, where where we're uh, quite often um, is also um, is also historic. So archaeology, for example, that is coming up uh, as a kind of um, key aspect you know uh in terms of what what do the what do the layers of uh items within within sites you, you know within soil how how do those tell a story about how cities have developed who's lived there before what are the kind of key issues that they've faced um within their time and how could we actually think about those um in advance you know in in today's world um and and learn from learn from from the past um as well um just just finally maybe one of the major things as well is is about energy energy use so not just energy use in terms of gas heating and um and uh uh insulation um it's really about how buildings are are actually designed how are they oriented are they oriented to the sun um or are they do they have north facing windows um you know in terms of their fabric you know are are they are they bolstered um for hot temperatures you know because we know that that um generally um te- kind of ambient temperatures it, it the, the the environment is getting hotter um through the heat island effect or through just general heating of uh by the sun um so so the 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 actual fabric of the building should allow for more heating and more cooling and and the actual flexibility that the user within the building could have to manage those sometimes even extreme temperatures in between i i just interviewed for um for uh, just last night actually for um for the podcast a couple of um um leading experts in uh, in the new retrofit coordinator role and and this was um you know on the basis that approximately 85 percent of the buildings that will need to be operating um in a environmentally benign way by 2050 um 
but 85% of the bit of those buildings already exist. The retrofit market is um, is huge, and they were saying exactly the thing that the, one of the biggest challenges is how do we render the build the, the existing building stock, echoing what you said, as passive mm. as passive as possible, emulating as far as possible, you know, passive design in terms of minimizing the energy inputs and then thinking about um, what are the um, what are the ways that we can contribute or reduce our energy insecurity as a nation and as a region by by uh, by having um, you know air source ground source um, heat pumps um, solar thermal mm. solar thermal water and, and so forth it's um what, what, talking about um about earlier um podcast guests i um i spoke some time ago with um with duncan baker brown whose um whose professional work has been for for decades now all around um um, the reuse of um the reuse of materials um in Mm. in in architecture designing within planetary limits his his um his his argument goes is that um involves um involves not just digging up building um building buildings in such a way that they um that when when the when the land use changes when um, when when you know social conditions demand that the um, that the that the units are the buildings are reconfigured or the or the lands redeployed in in different ways that that those materials shouldn't be um, shouldn't have to be thrown away because of the way in which they've been um, in which they've been built rather that they should be salvageable and be able to be repatriated back into um, back into projects building projects um elsewhere within that within that local area the guy the retrofit guys were, were really skeptical that that could be that, that can be done they were like what well, mm. let's cross one one bridge at a time but but in terms yeah. of where, where you're working where you're not constrained by the um all the minutiae of um of of um of of, of the existing oh you know of, of problems that come with the existing building stock where you've where you've got like a tabula rasa that you that you can work on and negotiate around is is there already a place, would you say, for this kind of closed loop approach? Is it is it there already, rising up the agenda, or is or, or can you see that that there are is are the areas in which which you work give us a clue about about how difficult, if you like, it's going to be for some of those ideas to to be manifest over the coming years? Um, okay, so I guess the question is about circular economy, and. Um, it's something that we do try to pick up in in discussions. Um, I would say that as much of the circular economy that could be had would be of benefit. Um, but that uh, that level of getting into into a project is sometimes really difficult because, for example, the kind of uh, stage that we engage with a project is usually m- very quite early on. Um, and in terms of uh, materials and, and approaches to, to construction, um, those decisions are not necessarily yet made. So I would say that um, I think it is definitely important important um but it it is very it is extremely tricky especially for major infrastructure clients um and how they manage across many different complex areas at the same time from uh i'm thinking about one particular uh, infrastructure project that i'm working on currently which will involve um roadways waterways um new housing stock um 
you know, um, and and the the impact of noise, the the impact of air pollution, and so on. Um, the, all of those combined, um, and thinking about the the kind of circular economy um, and and the the suppliers that may be involved in in each of those different aspects, um, that is is a is a major consideration that um, that really needs to be to to be thought about in design terms. Un- understood, and, and and the absence of like easy off the off the shelf. I mean, that, that some of these examples are there: the reuse of you know certain materials in in and and or from um, road making. There's a wonderful um, project that I'm following um, on um, on social media at the moment. Uh, one of the green roof pioneers, John Rittle, is um, um, lives um, close to the um, A13, which is being widened. He's in the process of creating um, creating um, ecologically meaningful um, uh, planted areas on his property um, which are taking spoil chippings and so forth from the um, from the development um, of that um, that that new trunk road or the expansion of, of that trunk road so there are there are examples there but I guess um, I, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is that it until those things are off the shelf and embedded so many of the projects that are working through it's it's going to be it's it's an it's an, an extra layer of complexity um, and probably um, no doubt of cost as well, right? Which um, mm. which means that that the uh, the wheels going to turn quite slowly um, more mm. in, in 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 regard to you know to, to to closed loop at scale. Yeah, well, I I would say once the ambition is there, that is that's a good start, and I would say for for the majority of clients that I work with, whether or not they're small developers or large infrastructure clients, um, that concept of circular economy and that concept of um, MMC, you know, mod- modern methods of construction um, as well, it, 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 the, these kind of discussions are on the tip of everyone's tongue. So I think that there's a sense of, of ambition there, but in terms of the process of actually realizing that ambition, some people have a better sense of it than others I would say and 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 I think that maybe as an industry there can be a, a greater push for actually how how we can actually um, streamline uh, a better circular economy and 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 um, and re- reusing um, whatever we have one of the um, where I, I trained in, in my field in green roofs in um, in Basel they they benefit from um, from a way of thinking about this, which um, which echoes something that um, that Duncan also said. I, I asked Duncan when I when I spoke to him, like, where do we need to be focusing our efforts? Thinking that um, the answer was likely to be either with main contractors or perhaps mm. with with developers, sticks and um, sticks and carrots. But but Duncan, it was interesting. Mm. I, I was I was um, surprised somewhat to hear Duncan saying that really where we need to be putting all our efforts to achieve change at scale is with. Um, planning officers because there's still an awful lot of um, um, executive power that local um, that local planning has within you know within the ways in which they're able to interpret interpret their plans mm. and I saw this in um, in um, in Switzerland they ran a, um, a trial um, um, for a, a couple of years I think it was maybe <coughs> excuse me 20 years ago a good long while ago um, to assess the benefits and feasibility cost base of adding um, relatively um, relatively thin lights uh, green roofs um, to mm. to buildings across the city of of Basel, it went it went so well that they they just decided that. Um, 
that because it's not a project killer, everybody now has to do it. And what they've been doing over right. time is ramping up the expectation. So um, uh, a, a colleague um, and friend, Stefan Brenison, um, is, a, is a professor of, um, of, of urban ecology, green roofs, environmental science over in um, over in Basel. His um, his department have to approve the design of every green roof. They have to. Mm-hmm. Um, go out to site and audit to confirm um that that uh that what was supposed to have been done has been um has been done and and they get to um they get to um ha- uh, they've got a kind of a, i wouldn't go as far as say lobbying but they've been able to ramp up the expectation so that now they announced last year um, every green roof has to have a minimum of 120 millimeters of substrate, which is very ambitious compared mm. to um, mm-hmm. compared to what we have in the UK. Does that does that seem like it? Um, it does that does that have traction in, in your experience? Would you say if, is it would it be possible for in in the UK context for um, planning officers to um, to be um, deliver to be to be um, stipulating some of the more cutting edge um, elements, given what mm. we know now about you know the the time, the pressing, the pressing. Um, um, the, the, the onward march of time in, in regards to um, to what we know about the science of climate change and how quickly we need mm. to act. I I think that I think that if we are to be successful in this, everyone needs to play a role. Um, I do I do definitely agree with Duncan that um, that local authorities have a major role to play because they are the gatekeepers of of good design um, and. I uh, my only my only query with that is about resources. Um, it's about uh, to what extent um, can local authority officers uh, feasibly think about um, many complex issues all at the same time within the limited amount of time that they have to to engage on projects and sometimes very very big projects, um, and at the same time also deliver. Uh, uh, a quantum of of housing that that the local authority needs deliver social benefits and so on. So I think that yes, um, local authority officers definitely have a role to play. But I would say that that level of ownership of um, of the environment needs to also simultaneously come from the architects. Um, the architects, for example, they need to have a full awareness of all of the different design options that, that are out there in terms of materials, in terms of construction methods, in terms of um, uh, site selection uh, to, to help guide developers who also need to understand that actually X percent of our budget really needs to be put forward to construction or to different materials or to, to thinking about um, uh, different ways of procuring or whatever it is. So everyone needs to play a part. We can't rely on any one party um, for for that. That that that's right. And certainly, I don't think it's um, it, it's it's fair um, get with a with a standing start, as you might say. Especially given the um, the the last ten years of, um, of of cuts to local authority budgets to um, to, mm. to be expecting to be expecting mm-hmm. um, the um, the local planning offices to be um, to be carrying the burden of um, of delivering these. Um, 
these these elements at scale. One one thing just to maybe to close up on that section is uh, in terms of um, um, architects and, and 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 widening knowledge amongst the um, the practice the uh, the profession of um, of the expanded these days expanded limits to the possible. There's a um, a, a really exciting um, thing that's being run by the University of Brighton School of Architecture next um, School of Architecture and Design next summer, which is um, uh, they call calling it the School of Reconstruction. So they're getting uh, oh, right. they're getting working uh, working groups of um, of current architecture and design students to um, to take um, sites across Brighton. Um, which are slated for um, for demolition uh, reconstruction to um, to to um, to plot through strategies on, on each individual site in a practical terms to how the um, how um, closed loop um, systems could be applied how those materials could be salvaged sorted stored and then redeployed elsewhere um, elsewhere in mm. the city it's fascinating I'm going to um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with that but it's certainly it's an example of um, of um, of what we need need to be doing with um, with um, with um, with students and, and and turning the ship of the um, of the profession. I wonder if that's a nice little way to segue into um, into um, into something else in your um, in your professional work historically when you mm-hmm. when you were studying yourself because that's where our paths cross. Could you tell us mm-hmm. um, tell the listener a little bit about your um, your uh, Olympic Terror um, projects mm. if we could if we could pivot to that because it's as I said when I when I reached out to you to speak on this it's um, it fascinated me at the time and it's um, and it and it stayed with me um, stayed with me since mm-hmm. sure I, I, I it would be my absolute pleasure um, I would say um, just just to provide the, the listener with a bit of background um, uh, I uh, during my first master's um, uh, um, trying trying to attain my first uh, master's, which was at Central St. Martin's College of Art and Design in London. Um, I was um, on a program called, at the time, Pre- Creative Practice for Narrative Environments, which was a hybrid cro- uh, course, um, a kind of prototype course, which merged urban designers, landscape designers, uh, videographers, artists, engineers, um, um, many different fields, all related to urban design, city placemaking um, on live projects um, and to really think about narrative, i.e. storytelling and how cities, buildings, spaces, commercial spaces, civic spaces, community spaces, how those could be designed with a kind of story behind it to um, to really underpin why buildings were being put in, um, in a certain place or why roads were being put in, in a certain place and, and, and why different communities and how different communities would connect to one another. Um, so it was a really interesting course um, and it, it kind of laid the foundation for, um, for, for kind of how I think about urban planning today. That project was, um, which, it, which was called Olympic Terror, um, was, um, was, was for me um, merging different aspects of myself. Um, firstly, um, it was merging uh, my 
urban development architectural side um, and my bachelor's in, in architecture and my and my experience in working in architecture. Um, secondly, it merged uh, my kind of artistic side um, and how communities um, on a particular side could engage with the arts, um, could be stimulated by, by what they see, by learning, um, but also by learning through different media. Um, and then it also touched on, on a whole new side, um, which was about uh, soil sciences and re remediation of, of soil. Um, so I, I chose the, the site, which was at the time the, the site of the Olympic Games, um, 2012 Olympic Games in London, in, in East London, um, because it actually, um, it, it kind of identified each of those different areas as, as key key areas to, to be developed. So urban design, yes, um, the arts and, and social engagement, um, and also soil remediation, which I understood from my studies and my research um, that soil soil remediation and cleaning was a major aspect of the redevelopment of that overall site in general. So I kind of merged all of those and came up with a hybrid proposal for um, uh, floating barges that were soil remediation um, pods um, whereby people could learn about um, con contaminated land um, and could um, but could uh, could also engage with um, with it from afar just by seeing these kind of floating uh, barges um, and then kind of subconsciously be aware that um, you know kind of activities on the ground do affect soil. There's there's so much in here that I think that I think is amazing. I just want to in, um, interpose and um, and spell out terror in this context in case anyone's confused. T E T E W R A. Yes. Terror. So so sorry about that. No, no. So terror meaning soil and earth. Yeah, I, I'm sure pretty much everybody's got it, but just in case the CIA is. Yes. But, yeah. that, that's a really good point, Lee. Thanks for picking that up. <laughs> My pleasure. I think I think we're in um, I think we're in the clear. There's um there's. In in my work, um, it's a it's a f kind of a familiar trope to say that nothing um, sp nothing demonstrates your um, your values um, like having um, um, a meadow on um, on the roof of your building more much more so than um, than many of the other um, other um, equally worthy in some ways um, interventions that can go on in um, you know in, in low impact building design these days. Something about um, about plants where to the layperson they they shouldn't be or they aren't normally it, it draws you in it has a it has a narrative mm. um as mm -hmm. you say so so I, I remember a slide um uh, uh that you uh, that you presented on um on, on on olympic terror which had um which had um a series of um uh, heavy, um, heavy metals, um, are, are dotted around the, um, dotted around the site of Because it was a very industrial, um, post industrial, um, um, area, wasn't it? With contamination of all, of all different kinds. And then above these, as I, as I, as I recall, there were, there were, there were individual species of, um, of native wildflower, which were particularly mm. good at drawing out mm. and capturing the, um, and capturing those, those heavy metals and, and, and cleansing the, um, and, and, and cleansing the, the soil. Was that, was that grounded in um, with with the relationship between those individual minerals and and plants? Was that grounded in in science? Was that yes. Um, that was definitely grounded in science. I mean, that, that first master's that I undertook was quite a number of years ago. Um, but I very clearly recall, um, 
during during that program, during that course, um, taking a train outside of London to one of those um, bioremediation research centers and meeting with um, one of the leading bioremediation experts there and talking him through the project and talking him through the kind of research um, stats of, you know, different uh, metals that may have been in the soil at that time and, um, and, and whatever other kind of substances and just trying to understand from him what type species of, um, of, uh, of plants and, uh, plants can actually absorb that and, and what will need to be done thereafter. Um, as far as I'm aware, Chernobyl, um, the, the, the site of the nuclear power plant disaster, um, there, there was, um, some element of, uh, bioremediation that was done after. So, uh, wildflowers being planted right across that site, um, you know, beginning to to absorb some of those um metals um and that and that was the the kind of principle i won't say that chernobyl was was the actual um uh instigator of that thought because this this um this project kind of took a slightly different spin um but it was definitely thinking about holistically about nature how could how does nature solve its own uh, uh, solve human issues um and equally how humans could help solve um issues that affect nature such a fascinating area there was um i remember we were we were members for um for a the period while that we were doing um Doing some um, some research into um, into circular economy, um, green roofs. There was another um, an, another initiative, I believe, happening in um, in the incubator up at the Bro- University of Brighton's green growth platform, in which they were talking about um, uh, investigating which species of wildflowers to plant around the base of trees, um, ground ver- uh, verges, specifically for um, for the aim of um, of capturing um, higher rates of airborne um, particles. Articulates, you know, um, seeking to contribute to um, to to cleaning up um, to cleaning up streets, busy busy streets around schools and so on and so forth. And I wonder now if that doesn't um, is there does this does this map onto um, um, uh, the 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 recent um, boom in um, in modular living walls, especially around London. They're obviously they're, they're very aesthetic in many ways, but is there um, is there legitimate science behind um, using um, living walls to collect um, to capture um, airborne um, particulates? Is that something that you're aware of? I I'm certainly aware of it. Um, I, I I I won't say that I understand the exact science behind it, but through my knowledge um, and my research for the Olympic Tower project, I'm very well aware that that plants um, are really special species um, on on this on this planet, and I I would say that there's so much that we could we could learn from plants um, and how they how they interact with with nature, how they interact with soil. Um, I for me I think that uh, especially from the project Project, uh, from the Olympic Tower project, plants are yes, they 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 are important. Um, but I, what I really wanted to to pull out from 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 the project was a focus on soil, and I feel as though soil is not necessarily spoken about enough because plants need soil, and and that soil, those minerals within soil, are. Uh, 
are really important. Um, they are really our kind of DNA, uh, you know, a DNA of, of what has happened, um, in the past. And, and, you know, I, I mentioned the, the archaeology before, you know, it's kind of the, the, the same message and, and we, in order to have healthy plants, we need healthy soil. Um, and, you know, in terms of, in terms of translating that into, into green walls, um, yes, plants, planting horizontal, vertical, sideways, <laughs> even, I, I think that, I think that there's an element of soil in urban regeneration that we are potentially missing out on. Can we, um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, can we dig down into that? A, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a little bit more so i understand after um i may be jumping around a little bit um, um in terms of the um uh, the linear um the linearity of your your career but i understand that um that you um later on you you you, you continued your investigation into um into work with soil in the um in the urban physics garden in london is that correct mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's correct so um this kind of happened very soon after my um uh, kind of exhibition of, of the final year thesis at Central St. Martins the, uh, with the Olympic Terra Project. Um, I was asked to, to be one of the kind of um, uh, persons, architect, architectural designers um, within, within that showcase. So I, what I really wanted to, to showcase is, is exactly what I just spoke about. It, it's about the value of soil. It's about cha- the, the impact of soil on human life and, and the stories that soil carries across space. So within that one installation, I looked at soil samples um, starting from the city of London. Um, and I literally walked the entire route, for, uh, well, one particular route from the city of London, um, stopping at key points, um, but ending up uh, in East London in, in the Olympic Park and just taking a number of different uh, soil samples going right through that journey and, and, af- and actually mapping that journey um, pictorially um, within that installation as well. So it was really to, to draw attention to soil. It was about... Um, it was about show, showing that journey, um, and it, it was hopefully drawing attention to um, to the impact that all of our kind of city uh, city activities, um, you know, do have an impact directly on on the natural environment. That really reminds me of um, of um, the artist Richard Long. Have you have you heard of heard of him? So this is a guy who who. Um, who uh, he creates art, uh, poetry from um, from walks across the um, across the uh, across the country um, c- mm. countryside. Um, uh, there's there's um, stone stones that were collected, experiences right. that were that were found, and then he erased them. It's not land art in that in that sense, although I suppose it is on that on that spectrum. But it's it's almost like that. There's a psychogeography element to. Um, to his way, link, the, the linking up of places by by a person mm. physically passing passing through them, and then and then and then and then and then, and, and, then and, and then creating something with a story out of that out of that very specific journey. So, what what did you find in those in those? What was what were the differences on those um, in the samples that you um, that you found between the city and the um, and the Olympic Park? Mm. 
Um, unfortunately, I that installation was was about the messaging. Um, I it didn't um, I didn't take that in particular installation further in terms of testing. I would have loved to, you know, if I had um, if I had continued uh, conversations with different departments, different research centers about soil, um, and and just testing, you know, you know what what is actually within those different soil samples. That that would have been great, um, but that. That didn't necessarily happen within this one project, um, but what I what uh, for me, I think that um, what I did try to do though with the project after is how do I translate the story about soil to a much wider audience? So the urban physic garden was attended by many people, um, and it and it was publicised widely in London. But then for me that message about soil needs to go much further and um and and i embarked on 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 yet another project you know <laughs> building on that um uh into um into a storybook into an actual children's storybook oh, fantastic. um on uh on on olympic terror t-e-r-r-a um <laughs> but olympic uh but turning it into an adventure story about the activities within Olympic Terror. So, so the book is entitled the the book series is entitled Olympic Terror Adventures. Fantastic! Is it um, is it is it available to um, t- to get hold of? It is um, it is in progress. <laughs> it is um, so as I mentioned, it's a series. Um, I'm still on the first series, um, but I'm really hoping that um, you know it's really my first try at uh, writing writing something um, and publishing something. How have you, how have, um, you have you found that that experience of? It, it, the blank blank page can be quite a terrifying thing, can't it? Extremely terrifying. <laughs> um, but it, it's so funny that the um, because I had done so much research into the animals, there, there are lots of bird species, frogs, newts, bats, um, herons. You know, many different species on the Olympic Park. All of those, um, all of those different characters, they were researched as part of the um, as part of the thesis. So literally, it was just about translating what I had found into actual live characters. Um, so a, a lot of the kind of base work had been done for me through the thesis, um, but now it, you know it. Um, the next stage is just about turning those characters. Uh, in, in, you know, giving them life and 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 um, making it uh, relevant to, um, to to things that actually did happen uh, um, on the Olympic Park in its development and teaching kids um, and and my age group I think right now is is between eight and let's say twelve um, teaching kids from a really early age about sustainability and and about urban regeneration and development um, and and community engagement uh, and and how those things actually actually are all combined together i i can't wait to um i can't i can't wait to hear about it. i can think of at least two people in my um in my immediate family that that would make a brilliant christmas present for although oh, it, brilliant. It, 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 it sounds like it sounds like christmas might not be the deadline that we <laughs> that's realistic to no to. no no unfortunately maybe next christmas yeah you know why don't i try and make a promise to myself that by next Christmas there should be something that you should be able to um, to, to give, you know, in wrapping um, to those two um, to my nieces. individuals. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, 
I'll, I'll hold you to that. Then we'll uh, we'll check we'll check back in um, next year. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So. Sure. Um, so, uh, in terms of the um, the um, the Olympic Park, is there is that is that continued? Because this was obviously some time ago. Now, is this con- mm. has your experiences there can um, continue to inform the work that you've done? Has there been as your interest in it continued since the um, since since these, mm. this project in in, a, in other ways? Oh yeah, certainly. I I would say that what I've come to realize is that um, I guess where in terms of profession, um, and and I guess my natural inclination um, in terms of the built environment, it is to mega projects. Mega projects sums up um, what I am fascinated by. I'm fascinated in the design of mega projects. I'm fascinated by the engagement involved in mega projects, strategies involved in mega projects, and governance of mega projects as well. So after that, um, a real in-depth look at at the Olympic Park and and um, and the kind of processes that at the time the ODA, the Olympic Delivery Authority, and and other bodies were involved in. Um, I just kind of thought, um, how do I progress this this concept of mega projects and and my own passion for mega projects and infrastructure? You know, also also is involved in mega is also a, a type of mega project. Um, so um, in two thousand and 16 um whilst working at design council uh still i um i thought to myself i wanted to kind of explore that in a, in a bit more detail so i embarked on um another masters um to solidify my approach to to mega projects and thinking big so um the the program is called the msc in sustainable urban development and um my masters thesis for that was um, about, uh, again, about the Olympic Park in East London, but after the Olympic Games, but this time not looking at the design of it, but looking at the governance of this one mega project. Um, So policy, the, 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 the policy and the planning parameters in developing the legacy for the Olympic Park was my focus. And um, I, I developed a really, really in-depth um, study of all of the policies that the um, London Legacy Development Corporation had developed from the point in time of the Games going up to current day um, and, um, and really looked at how language is played out through those different policies and how that language does actually manifest um, itself in different ways, whether or not it's tall buildings, different types of open spaces, different um, architectural or material choices for the buildings and so on, and the the overall vision for for that place. So a a key element of that research was really about language and and thinking about how language creates legacy and and what does legacy really mean to the LLDC and how it how important it is for anyone development corporation to really define what legacy means to them before actually um, developing policy and indeed um, building buildings. This is absolute sweet spot for me uh, as as an area of interest. I had, I was speaking with, um, with uh, with a friend from um, from Venezuela recently about um, obviously there's there were protests going on um, on on there there were um, it was in the midst of the extinction rebellion um, um, protests here and 
we were we were talking um, um, exactly about the power embedded in language, about the way in which the mm. um, who gets to define which concepts um, are, mm. are the ones which which stick, um, and then and, and then from from there, what, what what consequences flow for 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 the limits of the possible, both for those um, those kind of if you like in power and those over which that kind of power is being being exercised. I'm fa- so I'm fascinated to hear that this is um, this is something that's going on inside because of course this this idea of the governance of a space like the Olympic Park it's um, uh, now there, there may be peculiarities of the um, of it uh, of the um, of the legacy um, 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 body that's um, that's delivering the you know the on ongoing stages but certainly in terms of you know privately operated public space that's a that's a model which mm. is it's almost ubiquitous now in London, isn't it? Mm. Around, um, I can mm-hmm. think of King's Cross, Nine Elms, um, all around yeah. um, uh, Spitalfields. Um, uh, there's got probably dozens more that, um, that, 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 that if we Battersea, um, I'm sure. So, so mm. in, in in what ways can you give us some um, some specific examples of the way in which um, mm. the framing of the language of what of, of what's intended, what will be done, kind of tracks through to to mm. to, um, to to real world um, um, outcomes, both buildings and kind of you know like frameworks for for, mm-hmm. for managing behaviour civic action that kind of thing I mean, this is, uh, you know, since since completing this this master's, which was absolutely fantastic, and and since doing so much research into um, the meaning of legacy for the LLDC, um, I've I've come to learn a lot about um, about language and how language is played out in planning um, and materialized later on. Um, I I would say that. Um, this project is, it's very, very specific. Um, it's very context specific because we're talking about the Olympic Games. So I'll just give you one snippet of, of, um, an element that, 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 uh, rings through throughout the, the, the entire thesis. Um, first of all, um, for, for the Olympic Games, there is, um, a kind of, a, an international body which governs the Olympic Games. It holds the IP to, to the Olympic Games. And that's the IOC. That's the international. Olympic Committee, I believe. So, but it, definitely the IOC. Um, the IOC have a number of um, principles, uh, ethics, um, uh, and even movements. So, so they're called the the Olympic movements, and um, all of those are kind of spread around the world as narratives um, that that are embedded within each of the different Olympic Games. Um, and those those kind of principles are then adopted by each of the different host cities and then materialize into what that city thinks about these different principles and how it wants to show those different principles in different ways. Now, with London, um, the IOC's principles, for me, through my research, have formed a major element of the principles embedded the, the planning principles embedded um, in the um, in the Olympic Park. Now that um, that is something that is uh, inherent. It it isn't maybe necessarily easily identifi- identifiable. But through my research, I found that there are definite traces of the IOC's involve, uh, involvement in the Olympic Games, their principles, and then those principles being. Uh, threaded through um, to current policy. So, um, one one of uh, the the kind of policies um, embedded 
for example, I, I identified a number of kind of thematic areas where I saw that kind of link. Um, and one of those thematic areas is the concept of a nation state. Um, when, when the IOC, um, uh, ha, you know, agrees that uh, a particular city is going to be a whole city, in a way it becomes its own state. Um, and, and that, that's quite special. And, and, and it's, it's kind of important, I guess, for, for the, for the IOC in terms of, um, how does this, um, big world events feel super special and, and, and that everyone from all of these different places, whether or not they are friends or not, um, they can all come and participate equally in, in the games. So that concept of a nation state run by the IOC is, 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 is very important. So when that nation state concept is materialized, um, in terms of a London setting, um, then, then the Olympic Park, in terms of planning, you know, in terms of policy making, especially at the time of the Olympic Games, becomes a state of the IOC. And, um, and then, as a result of that, those, you know, as those policies develop and, and the park develops and buildings and stadiums and so on are developed within the site, they take on that nation state identity. Um, and then after within the, within the, uh, you know, after the games, um, that nation state concept is through my research has kind of bled through the entire process. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, if, if that's positive or negative, but it, there are definite strands of this nation state, um, identity and, and it's something to, to really be conscious of. Now, that's just one example, but the other kind of key threads, um, that I've picked up through my re research about, um, about how the past really influences future. So, um, is there, it's so it's it's so interesting. This 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 sense of the nation state. Are there like are there are there values, ethics, um, mm -hmm. uh, policies which are in, embedded in it? Like expectations about what will be done. Uh, uh, can we say that there's um, does this does this you know write uh, write in or write out the possibility for um, for state ownership of this land? Of um, you know of uh, is are we talking about um, embedding? principles of accumulation um of um of private versus public are these, are these, are these kinds of things written into it is it or is it more slightly more abstract um i think that i think it it's um just from my research it's a little bit more subtle yes there may be um direct links in terms of ownership because the um uh, the uh, the development corporation is, is is you know as a body um, is is tasked with managing um, the the design the the actual decision making on the site in terms of development and planning so so that's a distinct thing in its own um, on, on its own um, but there there are definitely nuances that have come through that concept of nation state so 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 in a way what I'm saying is that um, uh, there are subtle elements that have major impacts, but then there are more straightforward um, elements. Um, nation states, you know, um, I, if through my research, it has, it has, um, in, in, in my mind and through, through the research has, have impacted on, um, tall buildings on, 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 you know, the, the principle of tall buildings on that site. Um, it has, and it has impacted on, on other kind of elements as well. And, um, 
I, I, I think that, um, uh, there, there, there's a concept of, of within the, the different planacy, planning policy documents, um, just from memory, uh, convergence, for example, and, and how that meaning of convergence, um, comes, comes out within the, the planning, uh, policy and, uh, schemes thereafter. So, so I would say that there's a subtlety rather than immediate direct links. And does, um, does, what happened um the, the kind of um of, of body of process of authority that um that was that was given life at the um Olympic park has that influenced how london has developed elsewhere outside of the park in the intervening years since you know since the, since mm. the games were awarded mm-hmm um, I would, I, I, I would say, I would say, yes, I, I think so. Um, personally, I think so. Um, but the, I guess East London, and, and this is also, um, something that I've picked up through the, re- through my research, um, East London, uh, you know, other cities within, within, within England, um, and, and other kind of local authorities within England may look at East London as a kind of benchmark or, or, um, uh, I, I, you know, uh, icon. Um, but I think that the, the design of East London, with it being, um, a representation of the IOC as well to, to, to some degree, um, there's this kind of international relationship between East London and other host cities. You know, thinking about Tokyo and, and the 2020 Olympics, for example, I'm sure that they, that they are looking at, at London. I'm sure that they looked at, that, at, at Brazil. Um, and, you know, there, there's so many other places, Greece, Atlanta, and so on. Um, so East London really is, is a kind of, island in itself that is now international and that other international cities directly look at as a representation. So yes, it does have a role to play locally um, within London and within England, but I think it definitely has a role to play internationally. So actually the influence is, um, is the, some of the decisions made here actually um, um, are reconstituted, have impact in um, elsewhere. Much further away. Around the world. Is, this, is there... Is there something embedded in the way that the Olympics are approaching now these days? Do you know? I don't. What or was it the case in London, and and if so, um, um, to what extent was it the case that um, uh, it, it, the the the, the uh, how much to say? Maybe restart this question. Is it the case that um, that embedded in the um, the awarding of um, of the Olympics to um, to sites? Um, uh, tried to um, try to promote environmental benefits. Um, was that was there a great leap forward for the effort to um, to, to use the Olympics to promote um, environmentally benign um, building? I know there were lots of green roofs, um, some quite ambitious mm. designs. But is there mm. is there a sense in which the Olympic um, award, uh, the Olympic uh, process was um, or is a, um, a potential vehicle for like really dr- mm. driving um, change at change mm. at scale and seeding I- I- ideas? Yeah. yeah, I and I for me I think that this is why I'm passionate about mega projects because mega projects are able to um, embrace hearts and minds globally. And the messaging from the Olympic Games, and this is just from memory, um, I believe that the real focus on green infrastructure, on environmental sustainability came around the time of the Olymp- of, um, of the London Olympic Games. So 
I would say, and I, I would guess that that is why London focused a lot on environmental sustainability. In in the ones prior in the Olympic Games prior, there may there may have been some elements of that, but I I I, I uh, just from memory, um, that it did kind of occur at the same time. So, so it was a good synergy between, you know, wanting, um, you know, having very large open spaces and, and really trying to, you know, create a, a landscape led Olympic park approach. So there, there is definitely a role for big mega project players, whether or not they are mega events such as the Olympic Games, whether or not they are um, big infrastructure clients, for example, um, that they understand that the narrative and the kind of ethics that that they um, that they create around their project really could, you know, could resonate um, locally as well as internationally. So um, it's been a it's been um, a fascinating to see to, um, to 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 bring that into um, in, that into my awareness. Now my my mind's like galloping ahead to think about um, about mm. um, the way in which um, um, you can inspire um, members of organisations like FIFA of um, Formula One cha- mm. championships mm-hmm. of uh, and, and so forth. UEFA, a lot of these have got um, yeah. have got significant environmental deficits that can be uh, that need that yeah. need to be compensated for, and that and that trying to embed um, well a word that's kind of had its is sustainability still a um, still a, um, a a useful word I'll, let's just jump onto that actually because that's mm-hmm. a that's one interesting question that maybe I didn't prepare you for in advance but I do um, <laughs> just as a just to reflect on for a second because again yeah. to, to reflect back Dun- Duncan was saying we were we were discussing um, the, like the, the narrative the like the rich narrative that um, that circular economy um, you know that idea of um, of um, restorative practices um, in the in the economy and in, in built environment that there's that 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 that, that, that it's really he said um, the, the the cavalry galloping over the hill to save sustainability which became a term mm. that's associated largely with you know with with greenwash um, and, mm. and 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 um, and 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 labels which are easily applied but which maybe don't get as nearly nearly close enough to um, to some of the um, some of the um, some of the real radical transformations we need do you think do do, I, do you find that the, the the language the terminology the concept of sustainability still has purchase in your work or is it would you say mm. there that it's been diluted as as well as, as Duncan was expressing I think that's a really valid question. And um, even though you didn't, um, <laughs> you didn't suggest that this might be a question <laughs> um, in there and- <laughs> at, at the outset. No, no, that's fine. But, you know, my, my second master's at the University of Oxford on sustainable urban development has definitely prepared me for a question like this. Fantastic. Um, I, I, what I would say is that, um, and I, for me, I want to, 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 to couch this as a personal um, as a personal response or, or thought, thought, um, I think that sustainability is is a tricky term. Um, uh, maybe, maybe conceptually within a closed loop system, um, it has meaning. Um, but the world changes every day. People change every day. The environment changes every day. You know, and naturally. Um, 
naturally the, the kind of ecosystem is constantly evolving. So sustainability as a term maybe um, doesn't necessarily get across that that sense of evolution. That, you know, yeah, it's a dynamic, sense a that, dynamic, dynamic yeah. process. It, it, it speaks to it. It, it kind of it implies that there's um, that there's an objective measure of um, of of, of um, what's um, what 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 activity can be borne by the planet, but doesn't it 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 it, it, um, it labels without without really without really defining. I, I mean, I guess that that certainly has use, right, to be able to say that there's, that, mm. that, that 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 something a certain activity, whether it's um, whether it's a, a uh, a, a material that's deployed at scale for um, for large scale building projects, or you know, or whether it's um, whether it's a piece of technology which will um, which will I don't know like um, like air source heat pumps, whatever. To say to say something is um, is sustainable, if unless we agree on what that um, on what that 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 measure of um, of of the outer limits of what we can do, then. Um, then it's limited in its um, in its applicability. This, but but I wonder also though that um, is it the is it is it is there is there a sense in which um, uh, uh, the, these terms need to be somewhat circumspect in order to, in order for them to um, to be to be deployed more widely to get buy in from from stakeholders who may need more persuading or or, or who may be mm. maybe maybe resistant change. Is there an element of politics about kind of using less? kind of strident language um mm-hmm. mm. i i think that there's an element of of relevance to what you're saying yes you know i i think that you know i guess i guess what you're saying is that we we need a term to bring everybody along and and maybe that is sustainability but i i guess my my slight worry with the term is that it it is um it's in the context of and uh, of of the user of that term, um, suggesting that something um, that the end goal or the end product is quantifiable, um, and the end goal is also predictable. And I, for me, I I, I think that um, something will have a knock on effect on something else, and something else would have on a knock on effect in ways that we can't even imagine. So that level of predictability to help usually reduce risk um, to help um, manage costs, to help um, create effective governance. Um, it should be understood within layers of that, you know, just, just that level of complexity, but also that maybe things might change. Maybe things not, might not be as straightforward as that, but the, the, the actual goal of wanting to reuse, the, the actual goal of thinking about the environment of course, you know I think I think that that's brilliant. But the, the the need to overly quantify everything in order to make decisions, and the and the need to um, predict to the extent um, or for, for the sole purpose of reducing risk, um, I am not sure is what the environment needs or, or or is even really plausible in that sense. Sure, the the the, the sum total of the data that's needed to compute, like to to uh, to make objective objective claims. I'm 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 quite a, a, a an advocate at the moment for a change in the way that we think about um, about um, these things. Maybe not so much weakening um, the notion of something like sustainable. I I like closely. Mm. I like restorative um, the, the notion of restorative mm. restorative activity because it it embeds. 
um, um, embeds in it a kind of a, a um, a positive. Um, it's not a negation. It's like it's a. It's a. There's a. There's a it's a positivity. Um, yeah. In its. Um, in, in. In. In what it's trying to convey. But I do certainly think that what we need, as we um, tackle this kaleidoscopic, um, um, you know, um, set of, um, of of problems of, um, caused by um, you know like uh, man-made climate change that we um, that, that, that we. Um, that we express um what's the word um i've just talked myself into a i'm gonna have to edit this bit out victoria because i've done what i always do <laughs> it's all and, right and, and, and talk myself into a cold side this is the I, this is why i gave up um not gave up but this is why i decided that maybe uh, maybe teaching in universities wasn't um, wasn't best for me because i used to every week talking about the industrial revolution or i don't know some right. some, some um some 19th century german philosopher i'd find that i'd go down three different um three different tan- oh, tangents and then yeah yeah and then, don't like, worry not, i do it as well <laughs> Look, look at the room and go out. Well, where was I? No, no one knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll decide later whether I edit this or um, or, 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 okay, or, no or, or or leave it in. Um, so listen, okay. this is um, this has been a really really lovely uh, lovely wide ranging and inspiring um, conversation. Um, questions that I um, that I um, I'm not going to spring on you that I did um, that I did ask um, in advance just to um, just to wrap up that I've asked um, that I've asked mm-hmm. all my guests the um, the the first one if you were um, queen for a day but boss president um whatever the whatever the role um if you were in charge for one day if there's one thing that you could change that you think would make the world a better place what would that be you know i actually had um thought about this and i thought that i had an answer for you and um and i don't think that i do but i i have a half answer um so my idea is that um and it kind of relates to um to another one of the kind of key questions that you might ask me. Um, it relates to to a book that I think really resonated with me um, when I read it, maybe in, I don't know, 2016, 2017. It's called Massive Small. And Massive Small is just, um, it's about ur- urban regeneration and how actually we think we have big issues. Um, but those issues, that elephant is too big to eat. Um, and, and actually what we probably need to do is just focus small. So maybe in answer to your question, I think that, um, I would encourage people, anyone to, as, as a queen for a day, I would encourage people to do something small to, um, to support the environment, to make somebody smile, to help people out, to connect with loved ones. Um, I think that the, the small things are lost in city life, in everyday life. And, um, and I, I think that that message really rings true and, and very, very clearly from that book, Massive Small. I'll, um, I'll, I'll post a link to that in the notes so, um, accompanying mm-hmm. the, um, the podcast. I would wholeheartedly endorse that, and it's interesting because I, I found myself in a um, in a similar place while I was um, uh, doing my PhD and was needing to um, to to teach undergraduates about. Um, as I just said, some of it was um, was um, was um, German history of German philosophy. Often there was a, a, um, a this 
brilliant book um, that we used to um, that we used to share. I think is it Derek Sayer it's on modernity and it compared what Marx mm. and um, and um, Weber were um, thought um, got to the heart of um, of, um, of the human con- of, of what the condition of modernity mm-hmm. arose to and there and there of course where you where you go from that in order to um, to try and do something about it and um, Marx Marx um, went um, in the direction of um, you know of um, of, um, of uh, of, of, of trying to combat alienation through um, through um, through class association through um, through through workers' rights and so forth. But um, Weber, Weber said, um, as I recall, and this was a long time ago, he said that um, the thing that really defines modernity is the loss of magic and the loss of mystery, mm. and that. And that in, the, in the face of the 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 the, bureau, the, the, bureau, the overwhelming bureaucracy of um, of modern life, the only really meaningful thing to do is to try to rekindle that magic in um, in mm. your daily relationships. To be good with um, to be good with your um, with your fellow you know with your colleagues to be um to be kind to strangers and um and yeah. um and i think i i, would, I totally it hadn't occurred to me before but i think um there's some um there's a beautiful truth in 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 extending that to um to to plants to animals to um to the environment mm. to the environment as um mm. as well so amen yeah. um i'm gonna i'm gonna um say that that's the best answer that i've had on the podcast so far um oh thank you <laughs> um, and to um and to wrap up uh three good things i know you've mentioned a book already but so to um um, the first one, if we can, um, a book or a podcast that that's, um, that, that that you've loved um, and that you think um, others should read. One person um, um, that's been inspirational or a social media account that you find a lot of value in um, that other people can um, can jump on, and um, and your favourite place to um, to immerse yourself in nature and and why. Mm. Okay, so can I start from the bottom you up? You can do it however <laughs> um, you like. <laughs> so um, the favorite place that I like to immerse myself um, is a place called Karani Swamp. It's in Trinidad, which is where I'm from, and uh, originally, and uh, it is um, it, it's a swamp with a huge, massive swamp with a lot of thousands of mangrove trees and you access it by boat um, and the national bird of Trinidad and Tobago is the scarlet ibis and the scarlet ibis um, breeds um, within the swamp so it's really really special and actually the the, the mouth of the Amazon River um, all of the silt kind of comes up through through the Amazon River through Venezuela through uh, South America and because of Trinidad's location just practically at the mouth of the um of the Amazon River collects a lot of this silt and as a result um it really does um uh, result in really interesting species and and different plant life and and marine life there so so the Karani the Karani swamp is 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 a is a is an exact um uh, example of that and I, I just feel really one with nature there it 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 could be a little bit a, a little bit scary you know if you're not with with trained people but it's so magical it's so fascinating i'm going with you then in that, in that case i'm not gonna make my own <laughs> way over there that, that that's that sounds um, that sounds wonderful I'll, I'll i'll post a link to uh, maybe to a wiki page or to um to somewhere that's something yeah. that i can find online to, to describe it sure okay so um and they sorry the, the the second two i could be quick with those could you remind me what they are yeah then? of course so um 
uh, depending on the order, you can take them in either order. Um, but a book mm-hmm. or a podcast that you've um, that you've loved, mm-hmm. and um, 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 an inspirational person, or or a great, uh, really mm-hmm. valuable social media account that you um, that you you follow and like to mm-hmm. share. Mm-hmm. Well, I I. I... I, I did talk about masses small before, and um, you know I, I think that that it, it's a really good example of a lot of the different things that that we're talking about. So I'd like to use that as as the example that uh, that I'd like to give. I, I, I would suggest um, people read it. Um, the um, uh, you know for me, I'm, I'm also interested by. Um, anthropology, psychology, um, and, and humans, you know, in general. So I do read a lot of, um, books like that. So for example, I think currently right now I'm reading Deepak Chopra. Um, and that, uh, that, that is really inspiring, you know, and just understanding how your body is in sync with, with nature and, and just being very aware of that. So, so that, that, that's one author that I would suggest. Um, in terms of, um, somebody, um, inspirational, um, I, I would say, that I encounter so many inspirational people through through the work at, at Design Council, and we have 400 um, built environment experts. Um, all of them are special in their in their own ways. Um, they are, they, there's one particular person that, that comes to mind just off the top of my head. Um, he, his name is, uh, Tim Stoner. And Tim is the, uh, owner and founder of a company called Space Intax. Um, he's also a trustee, um, of design council and uh he's he's doing great work and um tim is a is a great motivational speaker leader um working not just within within the uk but also internationally as well in places um such as specifically china and and i i think that this kind of connection between the uk and china is is very very important in term in terms of trade relations and discussions that are happening um and you know there's a lot um there's a lot to be learned between both um both both parties and I, I would say that Tim holds a lot of that knowledge in, in urban development and design terms. So it, it's really it's really a pleasure working with all of um all of our built environment experts with 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 our CEO um here Sarah Ware um and specifically also with with Tim. This sounds um this sounds great. Um uh, either you or I can um can can at him to um to let him know that he's been um he's been um he's he's <laughs> he's been name dropped. He's, he's been, been, been name dropped and um and, yeah, and got yeah, and sure. got all the plaudits. Victoria, thank you ever so much for um for joining me on this um this week's episode. It's been one wonderful reconnecting mm-hmm. with you and, and and hearing about what you've been up to and digging down into some of these um I've done it again, haven't I? I've done a pun on um on, on talking <laughs> about um talking about soil and so forth. But um I've 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 got a lot value from that as I always do whenever um, whenever we're in contact and um, and and yeah I'd like mm. to thank you again for um, for taking um, taking a little of your um, your evening to um, to share your insights thank you so much Lee it was a pleasure